Hello, and welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into the world of health and fitness, where we learn how to overcome adversity, depict fact versus fiction, and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Today, we have a special, special guest on, Greg Robodeau. I am so happy I got that last name right. I know I screwed it up the last couple. But Greg, as we can say, and as he'll introduce himself, is the cycle guru. I'm just going to say guru. He's like the master chef of all cycling is the best way to put this. But I don't want to spoil too much. So Greg, welcome to the show, buddy. Why? Thank you very much for having me. Um, And uh, and it was a very uh, generous intro. So I I appreciate that. Um, You would just blow me away pre-show with I got this and this, and then I did this. And then, so I'm just going to say guru. And I'm going to say you're, I don't even know if there is a master word, master cyclist, we'll say, but super excited. Just tell everybody briefly what you told me. All the, I don't even want to spoil any of it. So go for it. Yeah. So uh, to, to give you a little, a little history, a little intro as to who I am and what I do. Um, I, uh, um, I am a physical therapist by trade. That is uh, what I went to school for back 100 years ago, it seems, um, and uh, was a, uh, a college soccer player. And uh, when, I left, when I left school, uh, I was looking for a way to continue to push myself physically. And uh, I kind of fell into cycling. Uh, which at, in my early twenties was, was kind of a, a late entry into cycling for, as most people who have gotten into the sport know, um, it fell in love with the sport, uh, became a very competitive cyclist, uh, raced, you know, throughout the U S, um, was lucky enough to do some races abroad. And, uh, as, as part of that, what kind of organically grew out of that as, being a physical therapist as I had a lot of teammates and friends and people that I would see at races every weekend, uh, asking me questions. They'd, they had hurt this or they'd injured that. And they were saying, well, what, you know, you're a PT, right? What do I do? And that, um, over time started to develop into a a specific practice. And I eventually uh, created a business called the cycling PT, which, um, is, uh, was a, a cycling centric physical therapy practice where I was incorporating treatment for cyclists as well as, uh, bike fitting. And, um, as part of that, I, uh, had discovered something called the Serata international cycling Institute. Uh, they, uh, teach a certification course in bicycle fitting. Uh, I had taken all of their coursework, eventually became an instructor there, uh, moved up, uh, became the director of education. And then I, I actually purchased the company about six years ago um, and am the executive director of that company. So I teach, uh, so, the, so that particular school has been in existence since the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, we are the longest running bike fit certification organization uh, in the world, as far as I know. Um, so people come to me for um, everything bike fit and, and knowledge about biomechanics and cycling. And um, what then kind of developed after that was I was approached by 
um, a major rehab hospital who is interested in developing a cycling specific program. So that is uh, Spalding Rehab, which is the second largest rehab hospital in the country. Uh, we, uh, over the last uh, four or five years have developed something called the cycling medicine program there, where we do these uh, kind of an innovative um, uh, collaborative approach at treating cyclists. And uh, it ends up being one of the only, one of only a very few places in the United States where we uh, do targeted treatment just for cyclists and triathletes. Um, like I said, this is a good, this is just the beginning. I feel like, I feel like there's more to this. <laughs> well, I, we, um, uh, you know, I've, I've had the, the, the good graces and the great opportunity to be able to speak to other people about cycling. Um, one of the things that I talk a lot about in all my coursework is just being a good ambassador for the sport. And, and part of being a good ambassador for the sport is welcoming newer cyclists into the sport and, and then helping those who have been in the sport for a long time learn things that they didn't even know about the sport. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what really excites me these days is being able to have those conversations. So um, hopefully we can have a little bit of a conversation like that with you tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited we, uh, for... You don't know this, but two episodes ago, which it just came out, <laughs> guy decided he's never biked before. He's going to spike from Alaska to Florida. That's, <laughs> that's a big endeavor. <laughs> he did it in two months. <laughs> so I was <laughs> blown away by that. So I want to sure see. Not without a few saddle sores and some, some soreness along the way, but um, that's, that's an amazing story. Those, those adventures are one of the things that makes it such a great sport. Just, I just fathom doing something like that. I'm still mind blown about how anybody, God, there's gotta, I couldn't even imagine, but <laughs> what about, I just want to talk about simple first. I think that's the best yeah. way to kind of take this with, let's say I've, I know how to ride a bike and we can assume sure. that most people know how to ride a bike by now or may or may not, whatever. How could I go about saying, hey, I come to you, Greg, you know, I, I write about my block. I, I go about my neighborhood. What are some tips and tricks, advice you can give me? Let's say I want to go my first 30 miles. Sure. How can so, you help me out? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great question. And, and uh, quite frankly, in the time that we're in, just kind of in the um, environment of, of COVID, um, you know, j just to back up a minute, the, the cycling industry has exploded in the last year. Um, you know, uh, sales of bicycles are up, you know, uh, I think it's 43 or 53% um, over years past. Um, you know, most local bike shops are selling out of bicycles. Um, and part of that is due to transportation. Part of that is, is the fact that, you know, many, many gyms or other outlets of, of, uh, physical fitness are, are closed um, or modified. Uh, and uh, so a lot of people have gotten into the sport and, and are kind of exactly where you're describing. Um, and one of the other things that I think is really interesting to, to think about is that cycling is a sport that oftentimes people will gravitate towards after they've had an injury or they've been told they can't run anymore or something like that. And, and, you know, you're like, well, you know, I rode a bike as a kid. It's, you know, it's, it's an easy way to get some fitness. Right. Um, and so the, I think the first thing I like to talk about is just kind of understanding that 
although cycling is a non-weight bearing sport and, and is much more friendly to joints, um, one of the really important things to consider is that um, it, there, there is a real distinct possibility and real easy ways to hurt yourself on a bicycle outside of like falling off of one, of course. Don't drink um, and ride a bicycle. Yeah, not a great idea. <laughs> I may have done it once or twice and I may have fallen off. It's not a great idea. I think we've all been there. I rode into a pole <laughs> once. <laughs> um, so uh, the um, so the idea here is, and I like to start this off with just a little bit of an anecdote to kind of um, bring everybody's mind into uh, the mindset of what, um, you know, don't get me wrong, bikes are amazing and they're an amazing form of fitness and transportation. But I think we also have to have a mindset of understanding what a bike can do uh, on the negative side uh, before we start talking about how to make it, um, you know, work for you as, as your, you know, either pastime or, or fitness of choice. And I like to bring this up. It's a, it's a uh, extrapolation I did of a patient that I had a few years ago. And he was your average bike rider. He'd gotten, he was really excited, kind of like your, your guy who rode from, Ala um, was it Alaska to, to Florida? Um, Florida. Um, just got super jazzed about riding. He gotten, did some charity rides and was in every weekend kind of going out and doing like a 75, 80 to 100 mile ride. And um, he was chugging along and then developed some really severe knee pain. And um, the reason I bring it up, and I bring this up oftentimes to many of the doctors that I talk about, because people refer to cycling all the time. It's like, oh, well, it's an, it's an easy, non-weight-bearing sport. You'll never get hurt doing it. Just go, go out and ride. And um, the, uh, this individual had some osteoarthritis in his hips. Um, he had, didn't have some great support at his feet. And, and as a result, as he pedaled his bike, and I'm sure you've seen somebody pedal a bike like this, is those knees were kind of, whoa, zinging out to the side it was, as he was riding. It was kind of like he was riding on a horse or something like that as opposed to a bicycle. And um, the long and short of it is for a weekend and one weekend ride that he would do moving forward 75 to let's say a hundred mile ride if he did on a weekend, his knees were moving nearly four miles laterally. Um, and when you think about the amount of wear and tear in that single ride over hundreds of thousands of pedal revolutions, it, it builds up. And then, you know, eventually things don't go so well on the bicycle. Um, and so the one thing that I think is, is really important, if you decide that you're going to do more than just ride your bike around the corner with your kids, and if you've decided to use it as a fitness tool, is to make sure that that bike is set up appropriately for your body. That's probably the first and foremost thing you should do is, as not only just cycling enjoyment, but injury, injury prevention is, is to go out and get somebody, look at your bike, do a proper bike fit and make sure that that bike is fit to your body. Um, and that holds true whether you're spending you know, 150 bucks on a used bike at a yard sale or whether you're spending $12,000 on your new, you know, um, triathlon bike. Um, so here's a quick question for you. It's something just think personally. Yeah. I'm, I'm setting my bike up and my seat, right? Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong is the seat measurements. Is it to the hip? Is it to the top of the hip? And what aspect should you really take that in? 
Yeah, this is this is a great question, and and not only for you know the the road bike uh, or or the mountain bike that you've got going on. It's um, it's also a great question because another area in cycling that has just exploded is is indoor cycling. So if you're familiar with the company Peloton, um, they have also just completely exploded this year as far as the number of bikes out there. And that's still riding a bike. So making sure that that fits you appropriately is also really, really important. And so there are some ways to get close um, without doing a bike fit. Um, there's actually some, some formulaic stuff that, that the industry has used over the years, um, uh, which isn't super accurate, but it could at least give you a place to start. Um, that would be your inseam in centimeters um, times uh, 0.883. And that would end up start giving you at least a general idea of what your saddle height should be. Uh, but what we really need to do is we, you know, hon honestly, for if we're talking about road bikes, because uh, it's a little different depending upon what kind of bike you're using. But if we're talking about going out and riding on the road, uh, you know, generally your knee angle should be around 25 degrees to 35 degrees of bend. So, um, you know, if zero was completely straight. You're bent about 25 to 35 degrees at your knee. Um, it's not super reliable to say that that's the height of your, like standing next to the bike, that's your hip height. Um, you're better off seeing if you can figure out what that angle is at your knee. And um, that's a little more accurate way of, of figuring out where you should be on the bike. Um, a very crude measure that, that some folks will use is they'll put their, um, their heel on the pedal and uh, have their knee in a soft lock. So not completely locked out, just a tiny bit of bend. And then when they put the ball of their foot on there, it's, it's close-ish. So that would be a, also an, another way to start. Interesting. See, I learned something new already. <laughs> My biggest thing, I'm, I'm just gonna continue on this kind of basic thing before we get over to a little Absolutely. more advanced stuff. Pedaling. I, lo I love how you brought that up because my mind went instantly to when I'm pedaling, I never know. Do you push through with the toes? So like this part of your foot, or are you pushing through the heel? So it depends a little bit on what your setup is. Um, so if you're on a flat pedal and you're not using um, a, uh, a clipless pedal, um, then, you know, obviously your, your foot position may change a little from one time you put your foot on it to the next. Um, ideally, it's, it's almost like being in an athletic stance for any other sport, right? So, you know, that, that kind of ready set position, like on the ball of your foot, ready, ready to uh, move right or left. Um, ideally, that's the best way to pedal through. Um, the, you know, that's gonna give you the most control over the bicycle. Uh, it's going to set up your quads and your glutes, which are the primary drivers of the pedal stroke to do their job. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, typically the best way, the best way to do it. It's kind of the ball of the foot and pedal through. Um, you know, what's one of the other questions that, that 
gets asked frequently, especially from folks that are um, uh, newer to cycling is, uh, you know, why, you know, if you've gone to a spin class, let's say, you know, you'll see a, a certain amount of people that are kind of bouncing up and down in the saddle. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what's happening there is uh, people not being used to spinning, number one, at a, a higher cadence, um, but also not understanding how to pedal a bike. You know, uh, we all learn oftentimes when we're kids to pedal a bike and it's, you know, hey, it's just like riding a bike, right? You just get on and go. Um, when you start using it as a fitness tool, it starts being a little bit more complicated than that. And so um, learning actually how to control your legs is, is a really important step. And uh, what people don't know oftentimes is that th there's this uh, maybe misconception that, that you, you have to, to pedal this perfect circle where you need an equal uh, you know, push and pull um, at, at normal cadences, uh, meaning let's say once you get used to cycling, anything above 80 RPMs, um, it's neurologically nearly impossible for you to, to pedal a perfect circle. Meaning if you're clipped into the pedal to, to push and pull equally with one foot and the other, you, um, essentially what's happening is there's a power phase of your pedal stroke. So from about 30 to 150 degrees in the front part of your pedal stroke is where your glutes and your quads are, are have the greatest mechanical advantage over the bike. And it's where the majority of the power is laid down when you pedal. What you're doing with your opposite leg by activating in the back half of the pedal stroke is really just getting that foot out of the way and preventing it from breaking. Um, and what happens to folks that are newer to cycling and they can't quite clear that leg out of the way is that it actually starts to slow their cadence down in the back. And that's what eventually lifts you up out of the saddle. So when you see folks that are newer to a spinning class or, or newer to cycling and they're trying to spin at a higher cadence, you actually see them bouncing up and down in the saddle a little bit. Um, and that can be resolved a little bit with increasing tension um, but what you're doing there is you're actually then returning it to more of that pressing into the power phase of the pedal stroke and allowing your legs to catch up in the back half of the pedal stroke. Hmm. It was probably it a little bit bouncing. more complicated than you needed there, but um. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. It gives a, uh, I knew when I was asking you, it was going to be way more in detail between eight, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> so trust me, this, this is good. Uh, I guess a common complaint you give people is something if you want to give a little brief explanation on this lower back pain i feel like is the biggest one when you start biking uh, my assumption has always been posture not knowing how to weight distribute is always going to lead to lower back pain especially when you're bent over and hunched too far forward but i want you to be i'm getting lower back pain and biking all the time i mean this has got to be number one or number two biggest complaint you get? I'm going to, I'm going to say that back pain is probably number two. And so, um, only because, um, uh, the back is a little bit more postural in nature. The, um, the, the, by far the biggest injury in cycling is, is knee injury. The knee is typically a victim of what's happening at the foot and what's happening at the hip. Uh, and so, uh, if you're not, um, sitting on the saddle properly, if that contact point isn't doing the right thing, if 
your um, uh, if your foot is not uh, properly placed on the pedal or you're not properly supported in your shoe, that's also going to cause problems at the knee. Uh, so, so the knee is by far the, the you know, probably the, the, the biggest place where we see injury for cyclists, but the back is not too far behind. Um, and if we think about the general population of people that, you know, just in general these days, especially now post, post COVID, um, you know, we're all doing this. We're sitting in front of cameras and, and, and computers and we're, we're kind of hunching over and typing away. And, and then, you know, maybe we're sitting in our car going not, to an not office. Not to cut in. I want everyone to look at his posture for the last like 15 minutes. I've noticed some step one, a plus <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there. Perfect posture the whole time. And I'm just impressed right now, <laughs> but, but keep going. I didn't mean to cut See, you off. But, but, but the reality is that many of us and, and myself included, um, you know, we get into doing something like banging away at the keyboard and we're kind of, and we kind of, kind of fall forward. It's like that de-evolution of man chart where you see the, you know, the, the, the last one is some guy banging away at a computer. Um, but, you know, for many folks, they're sitting in a car to get to work then they're sitting at a desk and they're all hunched over and then they get on their bike for fitness and they're in that same posture. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, back pain is a natural progression there, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so that, you know, one of the things that we do is, is work to educate people on the fact that sometimes it's not just about the bike, right? You actually have to reverse that a little bit, do some extension, do some, some training of that office, opposite muscle group um, so that you don't create a, a bigger problem in your back. Um, and those back problems, they, you know, on the bike specifically, they can stem from, you know, postural stuff that you carried onto the bike or it can come from problems with just the interface of the bike itself. You know, for instance, one of the most common problems for creating lower back pain is because you have a saddle that doesn't fit you correctly. And what you're trying to do is you're really rotating your pelvis backwards to try to get the nose of the saddle off of really uncomfortable things um, for both men and women. And um, you create this, all this posterior tension. And quite frankly, what that does to you as a cyclist is it starts shutting down the very muscles that you want to push the bike forward with, right? So you, you really shorten those hip flexors and it's going to start to inhibit your glutes. Um, you create all this tension in your posterior chain and it's going to start shutting down your quads. And the, by virtue of those two things, you start losing advantage of those big muscle groups that you're supposed to recruit to push the bike forward. And so, um, uh, a lot of it is about learning how to just engage um, uh, uh, to turn your core on when you're sitting on a bicycle. It's not something that we ever thought about as kids when you rode a bike. You just got on a bike and you rode it, right? Oh, you're not, you're not um, telling your five-year-old, engage your core. I, I might have done that. And I, and I do have a five-year-old. Um, uh, she's, she's, you know, she's a pretty tough little lady. Um, this summer, she learned uh, at four and a half, uh, she was pedaling a bicycle and uh, started hitting the jump track pretty hard. Um, so wow. she's a fearless little one, that one. So um, yeah, my, uh, in all fairness, uh, I was a road cyclist. Uh, for the most part, I, I raced mountain bikes as well. But my 
bread and butter was road cycling. My wife um, was a, a two-time U.S. national champion Super D rider, uh, which is a downhill mountain bike event. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, uh, I, I think a lot of those traits have been passed on to my daughter. She's pretty fearless. So. <laughs> wow. Where's your wife? We need to get her on the show. Uh, yeah, she's, <laughs> uh, she's actually, my, my wife has a very interesting uh, cycling background as well. She was uh, one of the leaders for um, the Luna Chicks Ambassadors, which is a mountain bike team. Um, there was a pro version of that team as well for years and years. Uh, and uh, she's currently um, does medical coverage for team Novo Nordisk, which is uh, actually one of the best known pro cycling teams in the world. They are a team made up of entirely of type one diabetics. And uh, so she does medical coverage for that team. Wow. So yeah, cycling is strong in our family. I, I can tell. <laughs> I'm sitting here being like, I went for a 10 mile bike ride. Like no, but that's, but that's amazing. I mean, so the, I mean, the thing is the, the sport can do so much for you. And it's, it's one of these sports that I think, I think it's w one of those things. It's like, um, it's one of those things that brings you back to being a kid, right? You, you, you have this memory of that, that first real feeling of freedom when you were a child of getting on a bike and just riding and, um, and cycling really does that. It inspires that in a, in a lot of people. And, um, it doesn't matter if you go for a five mile ride down a bike path with your kids or whether you're doing a cross country, you know, you're racing Ram or something like that. Um, you know, you don't need to be a bike racer. You don't need to be an aggressive rider to love cycling. Um, and there's so much out there, whether it's commuting on a bicycle every day or, or using it as a fitness tool or just enjoying an occasional bike ride with somebody you care about, um, you know, it's a, it's a great sport. It's something that, um, I wish a few more people did. I wish we had a few less cars, a few more bikes on the road. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a wonderful sport and, uh, you know, the more people that get into it, the better. And, you know, it, 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 you know, keeps me busy, um, because people do, uh, injure their backs and injure their, um, knees and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I've, got no shortage of cyclists coming in to see me but it's um it's a wonderful sport when you've been introduced to it and and you find somebody that can get you as excited about it as as i get about it so see i, I love one of the things you said and i don't know if you realize the power behind it but get, for me cycling was about freedom and that was something where pre being able to drive it was my opportunity to get out and go places. I can go visit a friend. I could just hop on a bike and go. I can go do this. I could just hop on a bike and go. I was never confounded to waiting for a ride or sitting around. I had that opportunity to really get out and do what I wanted to do without being restricted to the confines of my home, which that's the memories it brings back for me is every time I get in a bike. And I absolutely love that. Uh, on the flip side of it, we also, it's what you enjoy for exercising. A lot of people always find it weird that I, I enjoy weightlifting. I actually, I don't need any motivation. I don't need goals. I, I, I don't even have a goal for myself. I just like working out. <laughs> it's that it's that same physical challenge, right? Like, can, can I, can I perform that lift with the, 
you know, the right uh, mechanics, whether it's doing some, you know, take, you know, something like Olympic lifting, for instance. I mean, it's, it's so technical. And, um, you know, I, I've had uh, the good fortune of, of having some great people teach me how to do some of that stuff. And I, I can't profess to be very good at it myself. Um, uh, but because it is so nuanced, it's one of those things that when you actually pull it off and you get all the mechanics right, and everything just comes together in that moment, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And it, it doesn't have to be because you're lifting for a competition or anything like that. It's just like pushing your body to be able to figure out how to do that, right? And whether it's, you know, reaching to that, you know, that, that dark place that many cyclists go to, to eke out that last little bit of power and just tear themselves from their insides out, or whether it's just enjoying a sunny day on a bicycle. Um, it's just, it's, uh, it, it's a great sport and it's a great way to, to, to express yourself physically. I love that. I just kind of want to talk about knee injuries. Cause you mentioned it a few yeah. times how it's one of the most common things. I know, I know it could be a lot from knees too far out, knees too far in, but is there one thing you see a lot more than others? Is there one type of sprain or tendonitis? What, what do you see the most of with the knees when it comes to cyclists? Sure. The, probably the, the most common injury that we would, the, the way that we would term it would be patellofemoral pain. Okay. And that's a, it's a little bit of a catch-all, but um, essentially uh, what happens to cyclists, uh, especially somebody that's, that's been doing it for a little while or using it as a fitness tool is that we get, we get very, very good at moving in one plane of movement. Um, and so, uh, you know, the sagittal plane of movement or, or flexion and extension, right? And um, what happens is there's an inverse relationship to, to lateral strength and uh, how avid a cyclist is, you know, so that many of my um, you know, professional cyclists that I work with, they have like next to no gluteus medius. If you've ever seen a cyclist, um, you know, and looked at a cycling bum, they have these little hollow spots in the side of their bum. That's where their gluteus medius used to be. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I talk about the knee, especially I talk about it in a similar way um, to understanding the way that a bicycle wheel works, right? In order for a bicycle wheel to do what a bicycle wheel does, it has to be in, in perfect tension right? Uh, we would call it tensegrity, right? So all of the spokes have an equal amount of pull on them. That keeps the wheel nice and solid and the wheel stays true and it moves in a straight line, stays round, stays true. Well, your body's the same way. When we see uh, significant posterior chain tightness and weakness in the lateral chain, um, what ends up happening is you get knees that don't function right and you're your IT bands will start pulling on your patellas and it will pull them out towards the side and you start having knee pain. And it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a moving target. You'll have knee pain kind of under your knee or out to the side. And for many of these athletes, it's about returning balance. It's, it's bringing that wheel back into true, right? So um, getting off the bike and doing some hamstring flexibility, um, doing some, some gluteus medius work, um, uh, lengthening your, your uh, quads and your iliopsoas in order to, to create that proper length tension relationship so that you can stay healthy on the bike and continue to cycle. And that's probably the most common thing that we see 
you know, tendonitis and things like that, they happen, you know, for someone like the uh, Alaska to, to Florida guy, um, one of the biggest problems that we see, especially when, um, you know, we've had a hard winter or, I don't know, a global pandemic, and then people want to get outside and just, you know, go from zero to 80 and never, you know, and, and you know, the longest they'd ridden was like five miles. And now they're trying to do 40 or 50 or 60. Um, it's just too much load too soon. And that's when we see tendinopathies, tendinitis, um, and, and uh, those can be prevented very simply by just there's a general rule in cycling as far as training is concerned that we're not increasing intensity or duration on the bike more than about 10% per week. That's and, more than cycling, by the way. <laughs> yes. That's yes. going to be, I'm just going to throw it out there. That's every kind of, across of the board. physical activity across the board. I know people I who think, ended up in the hospital trying to go too much in the gym too soon. So yeah. let's tone it down a bit, though. people. It's never yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. You just bring it back. I love that. Increase 10%. That's a kind of a good little set place to go. And it's it's hard sometimes because many people get bitten by the bug and all of a sudden they, they just love it, right? And um, the, the problem with the sport is that oftentimes we can abuse your, ourselves quite a bit on a bicycle before we realize it's a problem. It's not like running or weightlifting when if there's if something tweaks or if there's an injury – you pretty much know it in that moment and you go, Oh, Oh, that wasn't good. You know, you know, you, you strained a peck or you, you, you started getting plantar fasciitis in your feet when you're running on a bike, you can actually go for a couple of seasons while things are building up in the background. And the problem is that the, the cyclists themselves, they oftentimes don't see the problem right in front of them. Right. You know, the, the analogy I use for my patients is like, you know, you can take a, a, a paperclip and you can bend it back and forth a whole bunch of times, but eventually it's going to snap. And then we can't just put those two ends back together again. Right. And that's what happens on a bike is that you're happy bending that paperclip back and forth a hundred thousand times until it just won't go anymore. And so what'll happen is that a cyclist will come to me and they'll say, well, Greg, I, I haven't been doing anything any different. Like I didn't like really increase my mileage that much. It just like my knees just started hurting. I don't understand why. And usually in those situations, it's because there was an underlying problem that's just been building. And because it's a non-weight bearing sport and because they typically, those folks haven't been looked at by a professional to get their bike fit. Um, what ends up happening is they uh, have been just having this growing problem in the background that all of a sudden reaches a critical mass or reaches that tipping point, And then all of a sudden, everything after that hurts. And that's when they come and see me. And that's when Greg gets to see patients. Yeah. <laughs> there seems to be a never-ending supply. So <laughs> so maybe maybe a little bit of this will help. Yeah, may, hopefully. Hopefully we can reach a few thousand people on here and all across the world and just have that understanding. Like, you know, cycling is great. Do this, this, this. I just want to, one more brief point. I just want to get your point of view on this. Please. little off topic because yeah. why not the freedom and capacity to cycle i don't know how it is in other countries but I, I could tell you for us out here especially those that live suburban life there's no place to go biking yeah. <laughs> it, it's okay go bike on this major road and hope you don't die 
because cars aren't paying attention and everyone's texting while driving. <laughs> yeah. What's I mean, your insight to this? And do you see anything coming down where maybe it will change? I went to Colorado and I got to tell you, they went out of their way to keep bicyclists off the streets. They have separate bike paths that connect everything in the town where I was in Boulder. That was amazing. You had enough to worry about biking on a road with a 60 mile per hour speed limit. We're here uh, it, I'm doing winding turns and I, I almost clip people like every week. It's like a yeah, thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of the barriers that keeps people off bikes. Um, is that, uh, you know, even, even in the arc of my experience, uh, from when I started cycling till now, the, the, the inattentiveness of drivers has, has increased exponentially. And so, you know, I'm a very confident bike handler. I, I am super happy to be on my bike and I don't mind dodging traffic. Uh, but, you know, as the newer cyclist or somebody that's, that's you know, just getting out on the road, um, it's daunting. It's scary. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in uh, greater Boston. Boston was considered to be one of the worst cycling cities in the United States about 15 years ago. And uh, our beloved Mayor Menino, um, like him or not, he did a lot of good things for um, cycling. Uh, and uh, they really instituted uh, an improved infrastructure here. So cities like Somerville, Cambridge, Boston, um, all have bike lanes and, and some cycle tracks even, which is a, a dedicated bike lane separated from traffic. Um, you know, Boston, in my opinion, lends itself to be a city like Amsterdam, where you could really develop a really robust cycling infrastructure. It hasn't happened yet, um, probably won't in my lifetime, but um, it would be a wonderful thing. Um, one of the things I can say that is almost uh, complete at this point in time is there is going to be an unbroken continuous bike path from the Pacific Northwest all the way, I think it's to Maryland, um, all the way across the country. So you would be able to do a cross country ride on a bike path. Um, really? but that doesn't necessarily help you in your hometown. No, um, <laughs> but you know, there are, there are aspects of the sport, whether it's, uh, getting on a mountain bike and getting on some, some trails. So you're in the woods or finding a sport like cyclocross, which is kind of a, a hybrid between road cycling and mountain biking. Um, that's usually done a little on road, a little off road, but in a closed kind of circuit, um, you know, there are, you know, and also this, the advent of, of gravel riding, which has become really popular in the last two or three years. Um, you know, and some of that I think is in response to the fact that, you know, people want to get on roads where there aren't many cars, but they're not having to deal with that stuff. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, it's hard. Every cyclist to, to a greater or lesser degree has to cut their teeth a little bit in traffic. Um, that's just the nature of the United States. That's how we're built. Um, I don't love the idea of riding on an interstate. Um, that's not fun riding to me, um, or feeling like, you know, when you, when you cycle out your back door, you're taking your life into your hands. Um, and I think there are places in this country that it very much feels like that. Um, you know, your best out bet here. Long Island, there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that, um, uh, I apologize I, the, uh, for the for the ding there. Um, so I um, I think that it's one of those things where 
if you can find a community of cyclists, whether that's through your local bike shop, um, through community development, they're going to point you in directions and point you to places and give you loops that are going to be less populated. Um, most communities have that um, available to them somewhere. Um, you just have to seek it out. Usually your local bike shop is a great place to start. Figure out um, you know, where some of the quieter loops are. Um, there are also a lot of apps out there that, that um, cyclists will post loops to, um, you know, whether that's um, uh, you know, Kamut or um, uh, Map My Ride or, or one of those places, a lot of, you know, or Strava even, where you can see loops that people are doing. Uh, oftentimes they're a lot less populated. Maybe you can get out there and, and, and pound some pavement without too many cars trying to run you over. Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. And a quick lesson I learned is don't take a mountain bike on a road. You'll always end up in last place. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a better workout. That's all. Uh, that's how I take it, man. I don't, I don't want to buy a road bike. I got one bike. I figured mountain bike that way I could take it on trails and the road. And after 10 miles, my quads are like. But last thing, Greg. Yes. Oh, second to last thing. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? And what are your top three favorite things about cycling? Go for it. All right. Um, so you can find me. Uh, my website is uh, the uh, it's just Serata International. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Serata Cycling Institute dot com. Uh, you can reach me at S.I.C.I. Get Fit dot com. Um, uh, and I'm. Wow, I'm screwing that up tonight. You can reach me at SICI uh, getfit at gmail.com. And, and uh, my top three things, I think, uh, I think the freedom of, of riding a bike, the, the, the challenge to push yourself harder uh, from one ride to the next. Um, and then if I'm being totally honest, uh, I just love techie, stuff so i just love my bicycle i probably have way too many um most cyclists say you know uh bikes are n plus one it's how many bikes you have plus the next one that you don't have yet so um i i my household's true to that i think we've got 20 some odd bicycles in my house so 20 bicycles yeah i mean my five-year-old has three of them (laughs) i can't say anything we all have our hobbies where i have something that's (laughs) just like i love it though And thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Health and Fitness Redefined. Don't forget, subscribe to our show and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is a journey, not a destination. Thanks for coming on, Greg. Appreciate having you today. My pleasure. Thank you. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way, and through fitness, you could do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. 
We understand this because we live it. And for us, that's the redefined difference.